you know what? I've had enough of this year. Put me in the wood chipper. <laughs> Our favorite part of the movie or show are the credits at the start and the end. The songs are like a long lost friend. Credits score. Where credits get the credit they're due. Are we good to go? We've done it. We've done it. That's it. Stop recording. All right. End of episode. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That was a good one. That was our good one. Our best yet. <laughs> oh, man, Max. It's good to see your your face over the microphone and the fact that you haven't uh, cut your hair in all of quarantine yet. Look at these curls at the back of my... Look at that. That is That is insane. My hair has gotten unmanageable. I have cut my hair twice uh, with an at-home haircutting kit that I ordered off of Amazon. Um, I think you should do the same. Have Skylar give, it, give you a buzz cut. Well, I bought clippers. I bought like cut haircutting scissors and everything, like the thinning out scissors and all that stuff. But they've just been sitting there and I stare at them every day and I go, nope, not today. <laughs> you just can't pull the trigger, huh? I, see, I would be like too... I get When I get like just a little bit long, like over my ears, I get... I have to cut it. It's it's gotten very uncomfortable. It's gotten very good. I, I can't like I had to like loosen my hat that I usually, you know, <laughs> my hair is too big now for my, my normal size. <laughs> uh, you have to get a one size fits all beanie from now on. I uh, I used to have long hair, but I'm an old man now. So it's like I just did. A, I'm like a freak on a leash, I think, when I have slightly longer hair. Just like the song says. <laughs> Love that song by Corn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Anyways, we've done we've already done off the rails here. I am Gary Dudak. I'm Max Miller. And it's been a while, but welcome everyone to Credits Scorantine. Uh we're heading back into self-isolation. So here in here in LA, it seems like. We've been you and I have been doing a good job of self-isolating, but the rest a lot of LA has not been doing a good job. Especially the last month or so. Yeah. So now it's worse than ever. Yep. That is the that is the current situation we are in as far as COVID nineteen is concerned. It's not it's not not pleasant. But it's our fifth episode, right? Since we've been under these pandemic lockdowns. I believe yeah, as as people who've listened to our, our first few episodes of Credit Score and Teen, um, we, we're we're struggling a bit with getting these episodes out. There's a lot yeah. of stuff going on in our personal lives and also with the worlds that are keeping us from getting these done. Yes. Twenty twenty has been something else. Uh it started with uh whispers of a of a of a coronavirus that turned into a full blown pandemic. And then it we've had racial unrest and protests against that or against racism and police brutality, which uh, have been a reason why we haven't recorded in a while. We've been kind of trying to focus on that ourselves. Yeah. If you listen to last week's episode, I mentioned that we didn't release that episode, even though it was recorded before the evidence of the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement really took off. We didn't feel right putting an episode out. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there's been some terrible stories and some terrible stuff, but out of it has come kind of a progressive, positive movement um, that is hopefully changing the tide in America, a tipping point, if you will. And things are heading in the right direction. But, uh, you know, personally, we've been, I know you have been a very um, 
good leader with your with your social media following and kind of spreading the positivity of the Black Lives Matter movement and the um, the call to end racism, systemic racism in America and police brutality. And uh, we've been kind of I've just been trying to kind of stay back and take it all in and learn what I can do to help as well. Yeah. And we've, you know, as two white people, we, we've kind of were raised in this, this society that was built on white supremacy. And we've been walking around with the blinders on, whether it yep. was intentionally, whether it was unintentionally, we've had the blinders on. And I think this movement has taken the blinders off for a lot of people like you and me who consider us, ourselves not um, like mean, like I don't like the color of your skin racist, but there is a racism instilled in us. And, yeah, it's ingrained. Right. And I think a lot of people are finally realizing that. And I can't speak for the black community, obviously, but I think a lot of the frustration is that how are you just now seeing this? And so like I think a lot of people like you and I are ashamed and like we should have done a better job learning this stuff, you know, or tr- trying to see it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that a lot of it is just like I have learned a lot that there's overt racism, there's covert racism, there's just kind of passive racism, which I feel like I don't know if, if it our listeners know, but I'm from central Illinois, which is a very uh, rural borderline hillbilly part of Illinois uh, to, for lack of a better term. And I grew up with kids um, and families who were racist, who had Confederate flags on their pickup trucks in my high school, which was allowed. Um, and it always bothered me, but I never did anything about it. I never considered myself a racist. I always thought I wasn't part of the reason why I moved left Illinois um, was to be more progressive and get away from a lot of that stuff. But I also allowed it, you know, I also um, let it slide or maybe even like borderline found shit like that. Funny, Um, not, not shit like Confederate flags, but you know, racist jokes or stereotypes or stuff like that, you know, that, that as when you're younger and, I mean, youth has no really excuse for it, but just stupid and and like you said, blind to a lot of it and to the impact that it's had on people. And um, it's been it's been eye opening. It's been I don't want to say that like you, you said, ashamed. I, I I don't feel like that really represents how I feel, but maybe a little maybe a little bit, but also just kind of awoken and. A little startled, actually, is kind of maybe how I felt more than anything. Startled by just my own uh, ignorance to it and kind of, you know, I feel like for the last several years, I've been also desensitized to a lot of the terrible stories. Yeah. And the that's, internet. And, right. And that's what I, th- that, I think that's kind of what I mean by ashamed is that like, it's it's the walking with blinders thing on, you know, like as yeah. long as everything in front of me is fine, I can just kind of ignore these things on the side. And we're, you know, of course, everything in front of me is fine because I am a, a cisgender white male. You know, everything in front of me is always going to be fine. Yep, for sure. But uh, I'm trying uh, to be better. It's not easy just because like it's just not easy to always want to deal with it right like it's easy to just kind of be like ah okay the riots and the the protests and stuff but i just want to go back to normal but i've learned that going back to normal is exactly what can't happen because normal fucking sucked 
for way too many people. And also it requires, it requires uh, not just us talking to black people and talking to um, people to get their experiences that we haven't experienced, but it's you and I having this conversation that's uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and yeah. we're, we're uncomfortable. Yeah. We're concerned. We're going to say the wrong thing. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, I, I think these are the kind of discussions we have to be having, whether, whether we're saying the right thing right now, or we're going to get called out for shit that we have to kind of like look back on and be like, Oh, okay. I see where I was wrong here. Yeah. In, in a weird way, I would actually kind of like to be called out because I know I know that people are actually uh, listening and, and care, but well, <laughs> that's, I'll, that's call little... on, I'll call you on everything moving forward. Okay. Sounds good. For the record. Sounds good. Yeah. 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 I, I enjoy I enjoy uh, that that challenge of uh, of being called out and trying to learn from my mistakes, whether it be in for something very important or for something incredibly unimportant, which is this credit store podcast. Incredibly unimportant, but we're going to get into it because with everything going on, this is still one of the few things that are manages to bring me and Gary joy. We hope it brings you listeners joy. So that's why we're continuing to do it, regardless of how tough it's been to get these recorded <laughs> yeah you still ha- you still have to do some some fun shit and that's what this is to us and hopefully to you guys too so uh and i think we got a, i think we got a fun one today don't you know yeah yeah you betcha you, you betcha, betcha. What, what what are we doing gary well max uh or does it say on your screen there max gustafson yeah yeah it does and yours says uh gary lundegaard Yes, I'm going by uh, Gary Lundegaard today, and we are doing the 1996 uh, dark comedy by the Coen Brothers, Fargo. Ah, oh, jeez. The opening credits. The opening credits to Fargo. There, Max. What do you oh, think? Ah, jeez. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, heck. You don't like this one? Yeah, I, 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 I I'm, I'm cooperating, <laughs> uh, but I'm a little nervous. Well, you don't have to get snippy there, Max. All right, <laughs> you don't have to get snippy. Let's just, let's just play nice. Let's play nice. <laughs> there. This is going to get old very quickly, but we're going to keep doing it. I just want to warn everyone listening <laughs> because I, I've been I, doing it all week. <laughs> I've been watching Fargo clips since about a week and a half ago. We were actually going to do this last week at first, but we pushed it. So I've been extended time to watch Fargo clips. And I was going to just sit down and watch the movie. I probably should have because I've been just instead watching it on YouTube. But uh, anyways, it's a lot of fun. And Can I ask credits- real quick, real quick before we get into the, sh- yeah. the movie and the credits and stuff? You're wearing a sleeveless shirt. You're holding a microphone in front of it right yeah. now. Oh yeah, let, say, let me show you. It, here. Says, me- it says Boba Fett for hire. That's 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 correct, Max. That's correct. Okay. It, uh, this is probably a 25 year old shirt, most likely. Let me um, screenshot this for the kids. You can talk while I screenshot. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> to be quiet. <laughs> no, I, I, my mom sent me like a box. It was probably about a year ago of all of my old shirts that were like in a dresser down in our basement. So I had a lot of Chicago Bulls uh, championship memorabilia T-shirts, and for some reason, I had this Star Wars shirt of Boba Fett or Boba Fett. I don't really know how you even say it. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> and it says Boba Fett for hire, and then there's like these three things at the bottom that say negotiable rates uh hire a pro and quick results and for some reason i bought this when i was in high school i guess maybe even junior high to be honest but and you know when you're a kid i've mentioned this before when you're a kid every t-shirt is like three sizes too big for some reason so it fits perfectly now and then i just chopped those sleeves off recently it's my it's my latest uh sleeveless collection 
Hey, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool, huh? He's he's back in the spotlight, so it's perfect time to have that with <laughs> with the Mandalorian. That's right. You, That's right. People love them some Boba Fett, so you're good to right. go. There you go. And I didn't even watch that either. So maybe you should now. You could put on your shirt. Shows you how big of a fan. When when I showed uh, my wife Sarah, I I came in with with this on. She didn't know that I. I don't think she even, even knew I had it. I said, "How do you like my latest sleeveless?" And she said, "Wow, what a dork." She she didn't it, she didn't even put it that nicely. <laughs> I I love when Sarah berates you. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> uh, it happens a lot. I will say, but you know what? She gave me uh, she gave me kudos for my for my Louis Armstrong impression last episode. So if you haven't listened to Ducktales yet, go back. She even she enjoyed that, and she usually hates my impressions. So that yeah, was that, that was nice. Well, I admitted in that episode that that was one of your better ones. It definitely is. Uh, it's up there with Marge Simpson. If you want to do Marge <laughs> Simpson right now, you're welcome to do Marge Simpson. Mm, Max, mm, you're a real meanie, bo beanie. Uh, uh, okay, so. You, Maybe I should hang my hat on the Louis Armstrong impression, I think. Yeah, I think the stop there. Stop there. <laughs> and you're good. Although, it sounds like you do a pretty good uh, Fargo impression, and that that's good, too, for this episode. Well, heck, Max, I sure appreciate that. Sure I mean, how, how different is it from Chicago? It's only, like, a slight tweak. It, no, it's very different. It's more like... For, it's nicer. It's a little more... It's nice. nice. They, they 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 call it Minnesota nice. Uh-huh. For those who don't for those who don't know, Fargo. Just to make sure we're on the same page here, is in North Dakota, but it's like right on the the Minnesota uh, border. So I the, the entire movie mostly takes place in Minnesota, but it's called Fargo because something happens in Fargo at the very beginning of the movie. Anyways, the accent is very sing songy. It's kind of like musical. It's kind of a little corny. I would say more corny than Chicago, which is more. I don't know, sloppy, I guess, is what you would say. But uh, Wait, you said you're from Chicago, you know, right? That makes sense. I, I, I'm from, yeah, about an hour south, so even sloppier. Um, growing up, the only, the only thing I knew about this, this sort of accent was, do you remember the, the TV show or the cartoon Bobby's World? Yeah, Howie Mandel. Yeah, yeah. The, the mom on that show was like, don't you know? And you betcha. And she would say stuff like that. Ah. So that was how I, I kind of knew about that accent even existing. And then when I saw Fargo when I was you know in my teens or whatever, then it all kind of made a lot more sense. But anyways, it's fun. It's, a good, it's good stuff. That's a good segue to talk about your experience with this movie before we get into the credits. Sure. So this is a me pick. Uh, it's been a while since I've picked one cause we've had some kind of like, you know, we've, we've collaborated on some picks and then you picked the last couple. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, I wouldn't say that these opening titles or this opening credits, whatever the Fargo title scene is very well known. I think that it evokes all of the like feelings of the movie perfectly, which is part of the reason why I picked it, but it's different. I don't think we've really done one like this. So that's why I picked it. I love this movie. It was one of my probably top 10 in high school and college that I would watch all the time or as much as I could along with like, you know, there was always what movies did you love in high school? For me, it was like not comedy wise, but like Big Lebowski, Usual Suspects, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, uh, and probably the and probably this Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump was, was that awesome. like regular for you. Well, I mean, it wasn't a regular, but it, it was one of those movies that like impacted me as a you know that as a teenager like loving movies what's okay. wrong with forrest gump oh that's uh that's an awful movie 
give me a listen. Back then it wasn't though. All right, Forrest right. Gump was just fine. <laughs> Forrest Gump was just fine. It has a lot of memorable moments. It's Tom Hanks. All right, you know what? Just edit out Forrest Gump out of the end. <laughs> we can all move on. <laughs> How about you? Like, what are like five or so of your? I'm trying to think of like what '90s movies that are not comedies that I were on my regular rotation. Uh, I want to say like Usual Suspects. I want to say for sure. Um, what else is in the '90s? I don't know. You know what? I would say I would say the, the Coen Sense? Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Six Sense is in there. That was '99. That, that I love that one. Uh, the Cider House Rules. Now I'm just naming them. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just trying to think of '90s movies. You know what? Another one that I really liked is also speaking the of the Coen Ice Brothers was Storm. <laughs> no, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was also oh, yeah. on my. I watched a lot. So I don't know. Anyways, I just Fargo's in, is in my top ten movies of like the nineties that I grew up. Remember when you could get like deals to buy VHS tapes through like Columbia House or whatever it was? This was one of my orders for sure. I remember when it came in the mail. Oh so. man, you got you got pulled into that scheme. Oh, I got roped into that scheme like four times. CDs, VHSs, like a penny for the first one, <laughs> and they start charging you like fifty nine yeah. ninety nine. Yeah, like just a, an <laughs> a insane amount. It's like, oh, you get you get a, you get twelve movies for the price of one, and then for the next four years, you have to buy a thousand dollar movie every year. <laughs> Fucking Columbia House, man. <laughs> so, anyways, that's why I picked it. I love it. What's how about you for this movie? You know what's funny is I cannot think of the first time I saw this movie. It had to have been when it was out, or like, sh- or when it was on like home video or something. But I can't remember the first time I saw it. But I have seen it a hundred times since, obviously. And uh, most recently, I went back to watch it. I think I watched it after the second season of the TV show, just to kind of like, I hadn't seen the movie in a while. And I was like, oh, I want to see it. what kind of like where the movie matches up with the t- TV show, which is great. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention that. The TV show is is freaking awesome. And I would say that the first season probably most closely resembles this one or resembles the movie, but they all kind of do. And they all end up in Fargo or have something to do with Fargo. You know, you just reminded me, I think the when I the reason I actually did see this movie was because Steve Buscemi was on Saturday Night Live. And I remember he like made fun of the of the wood chipper scene in the movie. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So I was like, okay, I gotta find out why he's doing that. And then I found out he was in Fargo and I found out, oh, okay, I'm gonna this is gonna be the next movie I'm gonna get. So that's why I watched it for the first time. So it was probably like I was probably like fourteen years old, maybe. Ninety seven. I probably saw it like after it came out. Should we get into these? Are you ready to start it? I, I am ready to start. Actually, let me pull it up here because I, I had to. Nobody needs to hear about this, but I had some technical difficulties getting on the podcast tonight. So, oh, my God. For those of you listening, it was such a pain in the ass tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all it did was make me it made me drink more wine. That's really all I did. It was funny because Gary and I were both getting very frustrated and angry because we could not get this uh, recording to work. But we were staying in uh, Fargo characters, so we're getting upset, and we're just being like, "Ah, ah, heck, ah, jeez, oh. <laughs> So it was very pleasant anger. I'm starting it. Lion, yeah. We see Polygram filmed entertainment. Before that, we saw the uh, MGM Lion that everyone's seen a million times. And then uh, right after the Polygram Film Entertainment, we get a black screen with some text on it, Gary. And what does the text say? This is the very 
notorious, I would say, opening, uh, I don't know, I guess you would call it a lie. At the time, it seemed like it was maybe a half-truth, but it says, this is a true story, period. The events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota in 1987. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest has been told exactly as it occurred. Okay. As you said, it's a blatant lie. Yep. So I, I tried to do a little bit of research and then I was like, who, who the hell am I? I, what, what kind, we, I don't do research. Um, you can just say that something is a true story. If it's not, yeah. there's no like rule really. Create Cause like I, I, it's funny. Cause I always thought that like, if you're saying it, you could get sued. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, even if you're saying, and that's what they always say based on a true story. Right. So I was thinking to myself, okay, they, they must've had some fucking legal issues with this. Right. So all I had to do was ask my wife and she said, who the fuck's going to sue? They're just completely made it up. I love when Sarah berates you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she's right though. Then I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's a good point. You can say it's a true story. Who the fuck cares? Like no one is out there to say like, who's gonna be offended by it or you're not defaming anyone because it's all made up so anyways they they lied the coen brothers from what i read they wanted this to have the aspect of the true story genre so they went with that and they did kind of loosely base it on two stories do you know them by any chance only from the research i did this week so why don't you go ahead and tell people about them. So for those who aren't familiar with the movie at all, uh, William H. Macy plays Jerry Lundegaard and he is like a, a, a car salesman or he's like a, you know, executive salesman. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Well, heck. And so in the movie, he kind of gets into some financial trouble because he's like forging or faking serial numbers to like, uh, to basically defraud or to fraud the car company. I think he's an Oldsmobile uh, dealer in this. So that was that was one thing that really uh, supposedly happened in the 60s or 70s where some dude totally ripped off GM by forging serial numbers. The other story that's based on loosely is that there was a wood chipper killer in the 80s. Uh, a husband killed his wife and her, she was a, 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 a flight attendant. I forget her name, actually. Do you have that off by any chance? Uh, his name was Richard Crafts, and her name was, I want to say Helen? Helly he- something. Helly Banks, I believe. Um, let me just find it real quick here. Ah, fuck, I can't find it. Well, anyways. So that those are really the only two stories. It's like the wood chipper killer and... The guy that was forging uh, or defrauding. Oh, here it is. Helly Crafts was her name. The murder of Helly Crafts. She was. In, it was in Connecticut in 1986. You and I both could not figure out that she has the same last name as her husband. Hmm. But that is a very good point. It's like Richard <laughs> Crafts. And what's her name? Crafts. What's her? Well, name? her name is Hel- her name is Helly. She has to have a. T- uh, what's what's the last name of that woman you live with, Gary, who berates you all the time? Uh, I think it's Sarah. Um, I don't know. Probably Lundegaard, actually. Uh, so, so I read about this case, by the way, is he got he eventually got caught because they found like 
the evidence in the wood chipper and stuff like he thought he disposed yep. of it but they found like the dna or something or like parts of they started looking into what he had bought right around then and he had rented a wood chipper oh we're turning into a crime podcast i like this that that's that's those 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 podcasts are pretty successful so probably not a bad crossover yeah he had rented a wood chipper they found right right around this time of her disappearance so they thought that was odd and then they found the wood chipper and they found her body parts in it which is just absolutely atrocious but it so he was he was he got caught obviously he was sentenced to 50 years right okay but it was shortened due to good behavior okay and guess what he got out this year yay wow wow wood chipper killer on the loose at least he got out just in time for a pandemic if there was a year that the wood chipper killer was going to get out it's 2020 <laughs> Man, so what did he served about 30 years, probably? You know what? I've had enough of this year. Put me in the wood chipper. <laughs> you know, we could kind of get a little Steve Buscemi, uh, Peter Stormare thing going if you want. Do some some crimes. If I wasn't worried about my hair getting cut in it, I would I would do it. <laughs> I'm I'm a lot more talkative and chatty, kind of like Steve Buscemi, and you can just be quiet, Max. So it, it would kind of work out. But but, but the, wait a minute. Then you're sticking me in the wood chipper, though. So I don't know if I like that or, or not. All right, let's let's move on because this is getting dark, getting yeah. really dark. Yeah, I've definitely had that fantasy a few times though. <laughs> You're sick. You're sick. Well, heck. Oh, jeez. Oh, geez, yeah. Man. Oh, sorry. Let's go back to being Minnesota nice. Oh, jeez. So, anyways, the moral of the story is this opening to the movie is complete BS, but it it sucked a lot of people in, and this this intro is also used for all three seasons of the TV show as well. And this was also uh, around the same time. What what year did the Blair Witch come uh, project come out? This same year? No, Blair Witch was ninety nine, I believe. Oh, you're right, you're right. But they also did the the like this is a true story without it actually being a true story. So that's a good exactly. example also of kind of like using that as a plot device. Yep, I would say that the the Blair Witch one actually really freaked people out even more because oh, totally. it was so, and people really thought it happened and stuff. So good point, good uh, good comparison there, Max. Hey, Max, you know, you're, you're darn tootin' that's a good comparison. Oh heck. That's that's mighty nice of you to say. Well, you know, you're doing a good job, don't you know? Wow. We should do this every week. We're so much nicer to each other. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> you bet your bippy, I'd say. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get this moving. <laughs> All right, so this stays up for several seconds, so everyone can read it, and we start hearing the the opening notes of this kind of haunting score that is used throughout the movie, but to me, pretty powerful in these opening credits. And now we've gone white, right? Yeah, I'm pausing it there. Okay. A pure white screen from black to white, which is is supposed to signif- uh, signify what, Gary? Uh, that I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to make something up. I was going to go along with it. And oh. <laughs> I, I really thought that I missed an important fun fact. And you this put is me on the this spot. isn't like a movie theme podcast. This is us <laughs> trying to get through some opening credits. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it obviously uh, signifies the director's love of marshmallows. <laughs> it's the black and white of William H. Macy's character Soul. I think he's <laughs> he's a nice guy, but he's not so nice. That's pretty good. I think I think if we're being literal here, it probably signifies snow. Yes. Because that's what it is, don't you know? 
All right. We got some credits. You betcha. We got Polygram Filmed Entertainment Presents, which I think we already saw a little bit earlier, but now we see it on the with the white snowy background, which we yeah. don't know is snow yet. We don't know it's snow yet, you know, if you're seeing this for the first time, but I just kind of spoiled it for you. And yeah, the text comes on in like a dark black and it's it's heavily spaced. Like every yeah. every letter is spaced. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Do you know did Polygram is that a big company? I really don't remember seeing that a lot. I actually looked this up and it I got so bored at what I was reading about it <laughs> that I was just like I'm not even going to bother talking about this on the podcast. So it's not it's not even worth talking about. <laughs> There's a lot more good stuff to talk about. I think we- it was a whole like like this is like a production company and it merged with this and sold to this and blah 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 and it's not very exciting. Well, Max, that sounds like a real snooze. I think unless you wanted to tell the story in Louis Armstrong's voice, it would not be very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> let's let's save that for later. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, we get some strings. Mm-hmm, I like it. We see some more credits pop up in association with working title films. Hey, okay. And it's that same where like like in association with is small font and all the letters are close together. And then working title films, the letters are further apart. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't find any reasoning behind the fonts and the, the spacing of the words for this. But it, it is interesting. And it's the same for all the after credits we're about to see too. But. Um, I you can start to make out a little bit of a of a of something in the background. It's not just pure white. You can kind of see, at least I can, on the right hand side. It looks like you can see a couple telephone poles, possibly. Yeah, you see so, that? Yeah, you're starting to see a little bit as kind of the snow is moving yeah, around. Very, it. very faintly, very faintly. Yeah, and we start hearing those violins coming out of the strings coming in. I don't know what they are. It could be like a a cello. Yeah. Yeah, some stringed instruments. It does kind of sound like a violin. Could yeah. be a cello. That's what cello, I said. Cello. Yeah, I'm just saying a little bit more with a more harp, authority. A harp. What else? What else has strings? <laughs> uh, a loom. Someone's playing the loom. I, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, a lute. 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 That's right. I think. I don't, I don't think it's a lute. Before we read the name that just came on the screen, uh, as we're hearing more of this score, I want to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. The score is by Carter Burwell. Yep. And uh, or is it Burwell? Burwell. I think it's Carter. I think it's Carter Burwell. Yeah, Carter Burwell, um, who is a longtime collaborator with the Coen Brothers. He does pretty much all of their movies, except for a, a few here and there. He didn't do the score for. He, yep, that's right, and he's and he's also linked to um, the other guy that Francis McDormand did a movie with. I can't remember his name now. The three? Uh, Mar- no, no, Martin McDonough. Yeah, yeah, three billboards, three billboards that were put up in Webbing, Minnesota, Minnesota Missouri, <laughs> with uh, it's like the longest title. It was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, but it might as well be Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Branson, Missouri, or Fargo, North Dakota, because, yes, Ebbing, Missouri is pretty obscure. But, um, yeah, Martin, he worked with Martin McDonough, or he does, also with Todd Haynes, mm-hmm. who did the movie Carol. Uh, he was, and then, yeah, all the 
the Coen Brothers movies. So yeah, like the big ones, like Big Lebowski, uh, No Country for Old Men. Uh, yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was the most recent one. Yeah. Blood Simple, their their very first one as well. Um, he also did some Spike Jones movies, being John Malkovich, Where the Wild Things Are, and David O. Russell, a few movies for of him too. So he is very popular with the movie store uh, in the movie store world. And I saw most recently that he does the music for Space Force on Netflix. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I haven't watched that. But I, uh, I, heard I tried watching it and did not. I could not get into it. Yeah, I heard it wasn't very good. But we're not we're not a Netflix comedy uh, critic show. So, you know, keep that to our, keep that to yourself. All right. Oh, heck. OK. <laughs> oh, geez, Max, uh, you know, oh, uh, geez. Oh, I, I, okay. cut, I cut you. I cut you off there. I was a little rude. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm cooperating with you now. If you want to go ahead and talk about Space Force, go ahead. Well, you betcha. Well, shoot. He was Oscar. Oh, this this Carter Burwell nominated twice for Oscars has not won. Oh, that's a shame. He was nominated for three billboards and for Carol. Uh, I think he was nominated for some stuff for Fardo, but not not an Oscar. Gary, if you're going to say three billboards, you got to say the whole title, please. I'm sorry. Three billboards outside of Streeter, Illinois, which is where <laughs> I hail from. Um. Anyway, do you want? Do you know was what? the Confederate flag on those billboards? <laughs> you know that movie has some troubling storylines as well. If we if you want to talk about racial yeah. racial components yeah. of movies, um. Anyways, let's not do that for that movie. Do you know what the name of this song is? Um, I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here and say the theme from Fargo. No, even even more uh, literal. It's called or I guess almost as literal Fargo, North Dakota is the name of this, of this opening song. (laughs) It's called Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. (laughs) It's a good name. (laughs) It's very fitting. Um, Okay. So what did we see here as the white is starting to clear out a little bit so we can see what's going on? We see in tiny smushed together letters, the, the name Francis and in, Larger, more spread apart letters, McDormand. Yeah, are, but you are, miss you, you miss something, Max. I I, oh, I hate oh, to I hate to oh, point sorry. this. I hate to sorry. We're talking about in the background uh, on the screen. We see some uh, car headlights. They, you know, uh, dang it, darn it, darn oh. it, Max. You miss you miss something right around the one. I'd say the one minute mark or so. You miss something. Oh man, now I can go back. Yeah, go ahead. From like one minute to like right before you see Francis McDormand's name there, Max. It's right in front of your nose. Oh, a little like bird flies flies around. There you go, Max. Okay. You see a dang a dang bird fly okay. is flying around. Yeah. yeah. And what's that supposed to mean, Gary? Well, the funny thing is, Max, that uh, it doesn't mean shit. But I read that the that the Coen Brothers have a strange history with birds in their movies. And like, apparently, this wasn't planned at all. This was like the first snow of the season because Minnesota. Uh, spoiler alert: This is shot in Minnesota. This scene as the car that we're about to see is heading to Fargo, but there was no planned thing for birds. They just happened to be flying around and flapping around in the shot. And that also happened in blood simple. Their very first movie. There's a scene where like the car is taking off and a huge flock of birds like moves at the perfect time. So like one of the Coen brothers, I think it was Ethan. So that they just have this uncanny ability to direct birds as well to like go with their shots. So there you go. A little bird history for you. Let me ask you this. So this week it came out that uh, Anne Hathaway said that Christopher Nolan doesn't allow his actors to sit down on the set. I heard that. Yeah. Do you think the Coen brothers have any weird quirks like that? 
I wouldn't doubt it, but I also haven't really heard too many bad stories about him. So, but you know, those can always come out. You know, Frances McDormand's married to one of them. I did not know that. I, I was just about to say that when we got into her, her credit here, like I did not, I don't know how I'd gone all this time without knowing that. I didn't either. I did not. I did not know it until we were researching for this 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 darn flick here, Max. I was like, "What the heck?" Oh, geez. I was like, "Oh, gee." <laughs> it really doesn't get old for for me, anyways. <laughs> you and me. Everyone else has turned this off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I called you out on the bird, but now we're caught up, and we see Francis McDormand's name, McDormand. I'm sorry, friends. I, I I do say her name wrong all the time. It, it's not, it's like Wimbledon. It's Wimbledon, but I say Wimbledon. Do you not know what D's are? You know, Max, sometimes D's are T's, you know? So what can I say? I'm trying so hard not to make a D's nuts joke. Max, (laughs) Max, be a (laughs) grown-up. D's and T's just lend themselves to jokes like that. So, uh, all right, moving on. What do we see in the background? I think you already said it. We start to see, very faintly, we see some headlights from a car and those, like, uh, Telephone poles you mentioned are starting to come into view a little bit more. Yeah. As we see, whose name, Gary? Frances McDormand. Yes. Who won the Academy Award for Best Actress this year for this movie? She did. This movie won two Oscars. She won and the Coen Brothers won for screenplay. Yeah. Do you know what won Best Picture that year? Yes. Everything went to the English patient, pretty much. You know, it's funny. I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld just like on my downtime, just having it on in the DVR. And mm-hmm. I just watched that episode like two days ago. The English Patient one. It's the only thing I know the Eng- I, I know the English Patient from. I never saw the movie. I don't think I did either, actually. I don't think I ever saw the whole thing. I've seen it on TV before, but never actually like watched it. I know I would hate it. I knew I would hate it back then. I know I would hate it now. I'll never watch it. Well, you're a real Elaine Bennis. Yeah. So I did it. Yeah. I dance like her, too. <laughs> <laughs> with the little kicks mm-hmm. <laughs> um now max i grew up in a very rural area like i said earlier and so i've seen roads like this with the telephone poles lined up have, did you have you really i mean no, like, i'm from la born and raised i have never seen snow like this in my life okay all right that's what i was it wondering snowed once in los angeles when i was a kid got it and it was nowhere near like like this kind of snow yeah just a desolate rural rural country road i'm not gonna lie this this is my nightmare i do not like cold weather (laughs) and having to like walk around in this or like bundle up in this yeah uh when i was in college i uh my buddy my freshman year a buddy of mine who was a chicago suburbs kid had never been in the country really before and we went to my house and he was like just blown away by the fact that like the roads just had ditches next to them and that my mailbox was like way the fuck away far away from my house like out in the out in the yard by the road so anyways, there, there you go. A little more background on me. We love the Gary backstories. Keep them uh, coming. That's what I thought. Keep them coming. That's what I'm here we for. Want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that year, that year, who Frances McDormand was, ag- was up against for Best Actress? Do you have, can you guess anyone? Probably the English patient lady, but I don't remember who it was. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, that one, yeah, Kristen Scott Thomas is the only one that I kind of like recognize the movie. And then just, I'm just going to guess Meryl Streep. She probably was nominated for something. That's a safe guess, but she was not in this mix. Okay. How about, uh, how about Dame Judi Dench? She was not, but she deserves to be in it every year for cats. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Renee Zellweger. 
No, that's a good guess just because I think this was... It was the same year as Jerry Maguire. I think I she that. was technically supporting actress. Oh, uh, she was probably supporting. Okay. All right. You know, just 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 tell me. I, I have no idea. Uh, someone named Brenda Blethin for Secrets and Lies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> BB. Yeah, um, BB. Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves. And Diane Keaton mm-hmm. for Marvin's Room. I don't even know what that is. I had to look it up. It was a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, apparently. Pre-Titanic. Wow. Wow. I think Secrets and Lies is actually supposed to be a really good movie. I've I've heard of that many times, but I don't know who that is though. But that that's one of those I always see a lot, you know what I mean? Like you hear, hear a lot about movies that are good or classics, but anyways, or that you should watch underrated. I will probably never watch it, but I will watch it long before I ever watch The English Patient. Okay. I think we should both watch it after this together on FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> just show each other on our phones or something how does that work <laughs> yeah that works yeah yeah i'm fine with that you 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 flip your screen i'll flip mine we'll each watch on our phone. <laughs> okay that sounds good all right let's move along here I love this music, by the way. It's so haunting. It just makes you feel like you just want to snuggle up and watch this movie, doesn't it? Not with you. <laughs> as soon as I said that, that was wrong. It sounded like you were hitting on me. I'm <laughs> wink, wink. I've had a little bit too much vino. <laughs> makes you feel like you want to uh, take off your shirt, maybe uh, get a back rub. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a long quarantine, let me tell you. <laughs> But anyways, what were you going to say about this song? I just love this song. I was just saying I've I've been listening to it all week, obviously. And it's really like I like to listen to especially like film scores. I, I enjoy doing that like when I'm working. And it's it, this is a, a great film score to work to. Interesting. Maybe I'll try that tomorrow while I'm working. That's that's nice. So what, and what do we see here on the screen? Oh, we see uh, in really tiny letters. We see William H. And then in big spread out less uh, letters we see macy that's right and he plays jerry lundegaard yes in the movie who is the uh i don't know the hapless bumbling um maybe bumbling's not the right word but he's stuttering a lot and he has this plan and he fucks it all up or it goes wrong but he also tries to, you know, he's, he's Minnesota nice as well. So he's, he's a very interesting character. Yeah. And, and if I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but the plan was for him to get his daughter into college, right? Uh, yeah. 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 I think it was him and his wife were going to go to drive to Fargo and hit up some college uh, admissions payoff uh, officials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was all. It was also. It was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. I like. I like to think that that scene where in the movie where William H Macy makes a run for it at the car dealership from uh, Francis McDormand. That that's what Felicity Huffman did during the college scandal. <laughs> I just. I that whole story is so fucking nuts. I know she didn't go to jail for that long or whatever, but like just the fact that she took the fall, like for everything, is just is, is just crazy. I mean, you know, maybe he really was nothing to do with it, but you got to think that like. Do you think he went like full? Jerry Lundegaard and it was like I I I I'm cooperating with you. <laughs> it it kind of seems it kind of seems like it in my mind, you know? Like it kind of seems like he did. This 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 role is so iconic for him. It like it changed his whole career. It made him like a, a star, you know? So, I 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. That when the cop showed up, he was like, I, I'm cooperating with you here. Well, heck, my, my wife handles all the kids' affairs. Ah, geez. You know, I'm telling, ah, jeez. And, and then the cop was like, well, if you just, if you just get snippy with me. And then he got all, he got all stared and then he turned his wife in pretty much, threw her to the dogs. You know what? That during it's too late for it now because that scandal is long and done. But that would have been a great skit on like Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been about this role. I read that William H Macy, Macy begged the Coen Brothers for this role. Yes, and yes, he even flew to New York where they were starting production, and apparently said, and I, he's told this in interviews that he said, "I'm very, very worried that you're going to screw up this movie by giving this role to somebody else. It's my role, and I'll shoot your dogs if you don't give it to me." Yep. That is that is exactly what I read. Which, like, if you read that in like a normal voice, it's pretty cruel. But William H Macy is so like lovable. <laughs> I know, and like, dopey. and you, you know, he was, you know, he was just probably it was in jest, obviously. And yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just nice. It's just nice. It's charming when he does it, and he got the role. And thank God he did. Yeah, because he was so good. He was nominated for best supporting actor that year. He lost to Gary Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep, that iconic winning speech where he th- loves everyone. So getting back to the credits here, we see the car making a little, it's getting a little clearer. It's coming toward the camera with the lights on in the snow, on a snowy, snowy road. I'm really curious what we're going to say moving forward, but we'll see. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, just a little spoiler here. There's a lot of the same stuff for the next 30 seconds or so. So here we go. There's a car coming towards us. Yep, the bird is still flying around a little bit. We see uh, Steve Buscemi's credit. There's a car coming towards us in the snow. Listen, we don't have to talk about the car anymore, all right? Let's just talk about Steve Buscemi. Okay. We see tiny Steve and a large spread out Buscemi. Mm-hmm. He plays Carl Showalter in the movie, one of the uh, uh, criminals, the criminal duo. This role was ri- written for Steve Buscemi. Apparently, that's right. From what I read, almost every role was written for the main stars, except for uh, William H Macy. Mm-hmm. Like the even the both criminals, Francis McDormand. Uh, there was somebody else too. I think even maybe the dad. Uh, but also P- we'll uh, Peter St- is what is it? Peter Stamare, who's he's coming up. Yeah, yeah, he's the other criminal. As like I said, yeah, it was written for him too because he had a connection with the uh, Coen brothers. Uh, I think he was like supposed to play a role for them and like Miller's crossing. I think mm-hmm. he was like, and then he couldn't do it so that he was thankful that they gave him this role and they wrote it for him. So anyway, Steve Buscemi in the movie is, what would you say? Buscemi and Fargo, probably one of his top three most famous roles. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what reservoir dogs. Exactly. Uh, probably this, right? This. And what, what would you say is the third one? Oh, big Lebowski. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, which they made fun of actually. I, I didn't know this. It, ne- it never occurred to me until this week that the Coen brothers had a, the running joke in Big Lebowski is that they're always saying, telling them to shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up, Donnie. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, he's constantly begging uh, his, his co-criminal to talk more. Yeah. And like, there's a, there's a joke about how he's taught, he's way chattier and doesn't shut the fuck up. Anyway, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, I guess I would say those are the three. Yeah. Endless Monsters, Inc. <laughs> And yeah, 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 and and uh, and Portlandia, I would say, is up there. And uh, uh, Mr. Deeds. And yeah, what's the? And there's there's also that meme or that gif where he's like, "What's up? 
what's up kid when he's like in high school yeah was that from 30 rock or something or was that what what's up fellow kids yeah. or something like that i don't i don't even know what that's from but i see it on the internet all the time yeah you know he was in most recently what did i just i just watched something that he was in oh the king of satin island oh okay i didn't know he was in oh that's right the the new uh the new what's the Pete, guy's Pete name? Davidson, Judd Apatow Pete Davidson, movie. Yeah, way too long. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a critic. We're, we've said this is not a critic show. We're not. I'm not going to go off about it. But Steve Buscemi is finally looking very old. Like he looks like that, a grandpa. Uh yep, that made sense. He's a pretty old dude. I love him though. I love Buscemi. He's great. He's great. He's always good. It doesn't matter how bad them. Like even in the worst Adam Sandler movies, the role he plays is always great. <laughs> He was also in Con Air. That's the one I was thinking of. That was the other one. Oh yeah, but I would say far wasn't wasn't the other guy in Con Air too? Or am I thinking Storm Storm Air? Yeah, was he a character mm-hmm. in that? I don't know. If he wasn't, yeah, he could he should have been in it. It's it's possible. Let me let me take a quick look. Look at him. I'm pretty easily. sure he's in it. Peter Storm Air. Con Air was what ninety six, ninety seven. He's in he's in the Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's Carl Hungus. Right. Right. He's in Armageddon with Steve oh, Buscemi that as might, well. That might be what I'm mixing it up with. Yeah, he, he's in he's in Armageddon with Steve Buscemi, dude. He was also on a Seinfeld episode I just watched too. We haven't even gotten to his card yet. I'm already I'm already going there. But he was he was uh, he was Slippery Pete in Seinfeld with the Frogger episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a great character actor. <laughs> All right, let's carry on here past Steve Buscemi. Start uh, cars coming towards us in the snow. The car's coming toward us, yes, and but it's going down, so it's disappearing a little bit. So you're seeing the credit for Harvey Presnell. Yes, Harvey. Or Harv? Harv or Harvey? How would you, It's H-A-R-V-E. Yeah, H-A-R-V-E. Presnell, who plays um, the dad. He plays Wade Gustafson, or Gustafson? Gustafson, I Gust- think. Gustafson. Isn't it? Gustafson, Gustafson. That's right, man. I can't remember how to pronounce his names. He is the uh, the father of William H Macy's of uh, Jerry Lundegaard's uh, wife, so I guess it's his father in law. And he is also the owner of the car company, the dealership, right? Yeah, that's correct. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah, and he's the guy. He's the guy that that uh, J- Jerry Lundegaard tries to to blackmail with his with his fucking terrible uh, terrible crime that he planned out. This whole thing goes south. Very quickly. It goes, it, it goes sideways. Sure does. I read that this guy, this uh, Harvey Presnell, hadn't done a, a movie in like 20 years before he took this role. So like, he, I don't know I don't know why. I, did, I, don't, I didn't look into it, but this was his first role in a long time. That's an interesting fact. It is an interesting fact. Well, I just mean like I kind of want to know, was that his choice? Was that he wasn't getting any work? Was that he was like, he finished a movie like 20 years ago? He's like, I'm going to wait 20 years for the next one. Yeah. So I'm looking at his credits now. Here's the here's the strange truth of it. He did the movie Bloodbath in 1975. Was he was he in Con Air? <laughs> no, no. But then he did do a TV show in, in in the 80s. So, but it was his first movie role set from 1975 to Fargo. It was basically 20 years, 21 years. And then after that, he started doing some shit again. He started appearing in more movies. So he was in Face Off though. Speaking of Con Air. Oh, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Was but he pretty, pretty close? Was he in Sister Act 2 back in the habit? No, we don't, we don't need to talk about that. Let's just go ahead and get that out of our brains. Those end credits are coming. Don't you worry, everyone. <laughs> and Harv was, Harvey was also in Saving Private Ryan and Patch Adams. And like this, he just, start, he just started doing a bunch of shit after that. It's really weird. Huh. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll look into that later. Should we start a whole separate podcast about him? 
Yes, yes. I want to be Harvey Presnell. What can we call it? Uh, Doing it the Harv way. <laughs> there we go. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The car has gone down a hill. Did you hear that? Yeah. The bird flapped. The bird flapped. The bird wings flapping going by. Little bird flap as the car disappears completely. And we see Peter Stormare's credit, who we've already talked about at length. At length. Yeah. So we've <laughs> or got, I have. We've got nothing to say now. Because <laughs> we got we pulled the trigger a little too early on that one. Spoiler alert, he doesn't say much in the movie. He is uh Steve Buscemi's sidekick who ends up killing him and stuffing him in the wood chipper. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I think that's all we really need about Peter. This music is about to take a dramatic turn. All right, Gary, what do we see as those drums start pounding? You start seeing the car that is finally approaching. It's made it up the hill. We see the headlights on, and we see that it has like extra tires on the side so it has like a a trailer or something attached to it so yeah we we hear the percussion that it's starting to build up the music and we finally see that our car is coming and, and there's one person driving it and it looks like how many would would there be two i'm sorry one person one person driving it of course but nobody else is in the car just one person's there's nobody in the passenger seat is what i meant to say i love berating you God, you're such a dick. <laughs> such an ass. You know what? I like to do better when you're Minnesota nice. That's what I can say. <laughs> oh, heck. Oh, heck. I'm sorry, Gary. Oh, I should be calling you Jerry this whole time. Soft G. <laughs> Jerry Lundegaard, of course. Uh, and I know from watching the movie that this is an, I believe it's an Oldsmobile, just because I think it's an Oldsmobile dealership that he has in the car, in the movie. And well, we'll get, we'll get to it, but that's it. That's what, what, what anything else to add there, Max? Um, the car is coming towards us in the snow. There you go. Boom. All right. So what do we see? So that car continued to come towards us in the snow. And as it got closer, we see that on that trailer, it's dragging another car. Yep. Just like I said, it's it's got a trailer hooked up. There's a car behind it. Uh, what did you notice about the plates? Um, the plates say, I can't make them out on my tiny screen. Oh, okay. Well, what they say is Minnesota. And then the license plate's 509P6C. Nothing significant there. But what I always find interesting is that you can't make out the person like you can tell that it's a guy with a hat on but like the face is blurred out because i'm pretty sure it wasn't actually william h macy yeah that that's probably it was a complete stunt team or whatever a crew that had uh that had planned this all out so what i read was the cinematographer is what's his name richard deacons right Uh, i'm not sure do you know who i'm talking about let me see here let me make sure i got the name right here yeah, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins is a cinematographer. He does a ton of Coen Brothers movies. He works with Sam Mendes and Dennis Villanueva. He won cinematographer Oscar this past year for uh, 1917. 
He won an Oscar for Blade Blade Runner uh, 2049, but he does all a lot of the Coen Brothers. He said that what ha- so I, I mentioned earlier that like this whole movie was shot mostly in Minnesota, but it was the warmest winter they'd had in years, so they didn't have a lot of snow. So they had this opening shot planned for like months, but they had mapped it all out with no snow, but they knew exactly what to do. And when they finally got their first big snowfall, he was on a different shoot with the Coen brothers doing, uh, I think it was like a parking garage scene or something. So he had his assistant cinematographer and this crew, this travel crew go and do it that day. And he said that he didn't have any part of it, neither did the Coen brothers, but it turned out beautifully exactly how they planned it. And there you go. Wow. That's the story. Of, yeah, that's the story of the shop. I learned something. That's right, buddy. That's what I'm here for. And the Minnesota plates. So this movie takes place. Wait, wait, wait. I know, it, I know. I know. It means the car is from Minnesota. No, no, no. But do you remember what city? Uh, I'm just going to set up the geography for you here. So I think his, his dealership, William H. Macy's, is in uh, the, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Okay. Right. And then the, he heads to Fargo. Let me make sure I got my facts straight here. Are you Google mapping this right now? Early. No, no, no. I had it all saved earlier, but I had to fucking, because of the technical difficulties, I lost all my bookmarks. Okay. So they're in the Twin Cities. He's driving to Fargo, which is about two and a half hours away. And in the middle is Brainerd, Minnesota, which is where the actual murders in the movie happen. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, they're, they're traveling and they get pulled over by a cop and that's where everything goes. gets really totally fucked. So the reason this is called Fargo instead of Brainerd is because the Coen brothers thought that Fargo is more evocative. And that's it. Because Fargo is really only in the very beginning of the movie. And that's it. The rest is in Brainerd and in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And, everyone, and everyone's gone to sleep. Everyone has gone to sleep from, uh, from my description of Google Maps. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes went as white as the screen in this opening credit these opening credits i just i mean it's glazed over nothing's more interesting than it than it takes two hours and 29 minutes to drive from uh from the twin cities to fargo it took you two hours and 20 minutes to tell us about that <laughs> <laughs> or sorry from brainerd to fargo actually <laughs> oh shit all right let's carry on all right i think we've got a movie title coming up here gary Okay, with that, yeah, the music hitting a crescendo, like centered on the screen with the letters huge and spread out, it says Fargo. Black letters with the white background, the car has driven past the camera, pulling the other car on the trailer. That's what we got. We got our movie title. So we saw it the after the Fardo title, it kind of pulls back and we get a wide shot of this country road with the uh, it's like a maroon Oldsmobile and it's pulling a kind of a tan. It's if, if you watch the movie, it's an Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, which uh, William H. Macy's character says it's a burnt timber Sierra. And we know that that's a, a dealer, a dealership car, like a brand new car that he's pulling. And then we see uh, a, like a, like a, the camera kind of 
pans and the car now is in, is leaving the camera. It's traveling on down the road and it's going the opposite direction. Yeah. So now we're watching a car go away from us in the snow. Very, very, very uh, complicated stuff here. Briefly. And then there's like a fade out before the movie starts. Yep. No, but let's let's play the last uh, 10 seconds here. Okay. All right. It says Fargo, North Dakota. And then it cuts away, and we see that the our car pulling the other car is pulling into a snowy parking lot for the King of Clubs bar. And do you know that the King of Clubs is also not in Fargo? It's in Minneapolis or right around there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Nothing was actually no, nothing in this movie was actually shot outside of Minneapolis. Nothing they lied to us about the true story, and they lied to us about the locations, and they're bastards. Indeed. I think some of the exterior shots may have been shot in North Dakota, like some of the snowy stuff, but the actual movie was all shot in, Min- in Minnesota because that's where the Coen brothers are from. There we go. We did it, man. We did it. You betcha. You betcha. You Dane you betcha. betcha. <laughs> well, heck. Well, heck. What do we do now? You know, as we, well, as we're doing these accents, I just want to say that they, uh, apparently the cast used a book, like there was an old like comedy book called uh, How to Talk Minnesotan to help oh, yeah. to help with their accents and there's like a whole like video series and there were skits and stuff but it was written by Howard Moore and published in 1987 and some of the things the book covered and this is according to Wikipedia were useful phrases such as you bet that's different <laughs> and whatever <laughs> not accepting food until the third time it's offered wow that's interesting the art of waving dude it's it's funny that it's you bet and not you betcha i know but you bet's good too oh you bet you bet, you bet. that's different and also covered talking about cars and starting cars in the winter. That's hilarious. Did you know that the one of the hookers in the movie was also Francis McDormand's uh, dialect coach? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So oh. if if you Fargo heads, who are, what, what are Fargo fans called? Far, Fargonatics? Fargonatics? Far, Fardonics? I don't know. Far, what, what are Fargo fans? Uh, Fargo fuck yourselves? no uh, we'll we'll do ardo one of these days (laughs) anyways so if you fardo heads out there there's two hookers in the movie that steve buscemi and stormare sleep with one of them was a dialect coach fargo nads fargo and what fargo nads okay yeah i like that fargo nads perfect i'm sure they'll appreciate that and anyway she was uh she helped francis mcdormand talk like minnesota nice so great so she won that academy award for francis mcdormand yeah, she deserves it for sure. So anyways, there you have it. That's it. I think we're done here. And uh, you did a heck of a job, Max. And uh, I'm going to go hit the hey, hit the sack. Gary, what do you say? Here, we got a few more segments here to get through. Don't oh, you? that's yeah. right. That, Don't you? I always forget. Always forget. I need you cooperating. <laughs> I'm cooperating with you. I'm cooperating. Don't, don't okay, get I'm, snippy with me. Listen, I'm not going You're to. You're getting snippy with going, me. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. We need to pick... Our highlights and lowlights, our favorite moments of these opening credits, our least favorite moments of these opening credits. Gary, do you want to take this or do you want me to take it for highlight? You go first. Okay. My favorite part of those credits is definitely when those drums come in. I don't think you can, I can argue with you there, Max. I think the, the, the drums and the crescendo with the title, that five second span is just, uh, it's the bee's knees, really. Should we listen to it, it again? Really just that one little part? Yes, just that one part. Yeah, okay. do it. Oh, it's so good. 
it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. Okay, so that's your highlight. Uh, I'll go ahead and do my low light. Go ahead. I mean, I really it's really hard to pick one because it's such a uniformly great uh, title sequence. But I would say the fact that that William H Macy's face is a little blurry. I would like if it was actually him. If you could actually see that it's him, but it, like it's I've watched it like a hundred times now, and it's just it's clearly just a person driving the car you know what i mean you know what's funny is that we in a lot of these opening credit sequences we, we've run into that the main star isn't actually the person in the opening credits even though it's the character they play totally like napoleon dynamite's hands yeah being not his hands or like illegally legally blonde that's not reese witherspoon in the entire Ex- opening exactly yeah so it, it's it's a, it's a nitpicky thing it doesn't matter at all but that, i guess that's my low light i also really like the bird flapping its wings and that's that's another side highlight um, do you, what's your low light? Do you have one that I didn't mention? I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being nitpicky here, but it's, it's, it's the, this is a true story bit. It's rude. I don't okay. like, I don't like them lying to me. There's no reason to lie. Yeah. I like that. I, I think that part's cool. Uh, I, I like it a lot. And I like that the TV show uses it too. So I'm going to lie to you about everything being true from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I believe everything. Whatever. It's all the same to me. Okay. So, uh, okay. So we got that. So I would say that. Uh well you're darn tootin' if you think that I forgot the next segment Max uh does that mean you got a question for me Jerry I think my question is would these credits be better with a lion no Gary Roar? oh my god can you do like a polite like ah uh, uh, well heck <laughs> rar <laughs> rar <laughs> rar rar <laughs> you're trying. You're trying. Would these would these credits be better with a lion, Max? Jerry, darn tootin' they'd be better with a lion. You betcha. You bet. You bet. Where would you put that lion? Okay. I need a snow lion with a Minnesota accent in there somewhere. <laughs> maybe like maybe the car almost hits it as it's like going across the street and the and the lion just goes, ah geez. <laughs> well, Max, I would say that that that's different. That's different. Okay, I, I'm gonna go I, I want my lion in the car with Jerry Lundegaard in the back seat. Just like you can barely see, but you can make out a lion's mane and you can just, I mean, and then maybe it can be gone by the time it pulls up to the, to the bar in Fargo. But I just want it to be there. Do you want it to be the real lion or do you want it to be some like stunt double actor playing the lion? Like someone did for William H. Macy. I I want it to be a, a real lion who is the stunt lion for the, the star lion who is not doesn't okay. even appear in the movie. So there's yeah, multiple yeah, yeah. lions already yes. on this set. Yes. Okay. Yes. But this lion is safe because it's a stunt lion. So it won't attack the stunt man in the front of the car. Okay. Or in the driving the car. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Good. You betcha. I like that. I like that. Okay. Gary, this is our new segment. I started this one Whoa. last week. Yeah. I'm going to catch you off guard here. Okay. So the segment was, does the song from the opening credits, did it get stuck in Sarah and my girlfriend Skylar's heads? Because you and I are doing, but because the song isn't really catching, I think that's definitely a no because I wasn't like humming it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, did Skylar and, were Skylar and Sarah doing uh, Minnesota accents this week at all? <laughs> you know, Max, I got to say, I hate to disappoint you here, but I kind of kept this one a secret from Sarah all week long. Ah, geez. So I, Ah, I did, yeah, I didn't even tell her till today when I asked her about the true story thing. Did she even know that I was doing Fargo? Kind of kept it to myself there, Max. So 
Uh, unlike DuckTales last week when she was singing along and telling me to shut the fuck up and turn it off so we get out of her head. <laughs> Maybe that's why I kept this one a secret. <laughs> I got berated last uh, when we did DuckTales a few weeks ago. <laughs> well, I hate to let you down, Gary, but I, that's a no for Skylar, too. Really? Although, I was doing it a lot today, and she was like, why are you talking like that? Okay. <laughs> so maybe we, maybe, we should, maybe we should bring this circle back on this next she goes, time right, and see if they... Right before I recorded this, she goes, are you talking yourself in there? I was like, no, I'm practicing my Minnesota accent for the recording. <laughs> yeah i did that a little bit too but i guess she wasn't around or just didn't pick up on it so we'll we'll circle back maybe i'll get her talking like this tomorrow or the next couple days (laughs) all right gary so i've got a couple of treats for you i i like to go on to the old internet for those of you that new here and find some covers of the song in these movies or something that has to do with the the movie I can't imagine you found you found too much on this match. Yeah, it was it was a tough it was tough. I had to dig pretty deep, but I did find a few things here. All right. This first one I have for you is a piano cover of Oh, okay. The theme. I'm just going to skip to where it picks up a bit. You want to know what I'm thinking of when I hear that? What? It's even it's it's even more melancholy than the movie. It's like it ha- it's like the English Patient. <laughs> I don't know. I picture like a movie where like Daniel Day Lewis is playing piano in a dark room alone. You know what's funny? I kind of thought of Adrian. Uh, what's his name? Adrian Bro- Brody. Brody. Yeah. The, isn't he? Wasn't he the pianist yeah, or whatever? Yeah. I kind of, I kind of had that thought too. So, so somewhat similar. Yeah. Okay. This next one I have for you is a finger style guitar cover. Of course. Of course. It seems a little. It doesn't really sound like it, to be honest. the the fingers The finger guitar sounded like a little. I, mean, I don't want to say sloppy, but it just seemed like it didn't quite match up. Let's see at the beginning here. It's. It sounds like a, it's like a yeah. Brian Adams song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't quite line up. I, I, I'm gonna. I don't know who posted that. Who, who's the user that posted uh, that? It's by Guitar Solo. That's a weird name to have. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, okay. Well, I don't want to tell Guitar Solo how to do their job, but they need to start over on that one. <laughs> okay, this next little uh, treat I have for you is just from a little. Uh, let's say it's a supercut that someone put together called "How to Speak Fargo." Oh, here we go. I like this. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 Jeez. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Hi, Oh, yeah. Hi, yeah. It's okay. Go Bears. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Betcha. Yeah. It's. Look, I
There's so many yas. Yeah, yeah. We post all these clips on creditscorepodcast.com and in our Apple's notes. And it's that one's a really fun one to watch. It's only about a minute long and it just keeps going. It's all these clips from the movie. I like it. It really is contagious to talk like that. It, is. it really is. So spread, we, we, need, we, need, we need to spread the Minnesota nice. Yeah, I hope a do. lot of people come out of this talking like that after listening to this episode. This last thing I have for you, Carrie, this has nothing to do with the Fargo. But because I was looking so much up about like the accents and stuff, I found this video of a guy who went through uh, this like accent uh, tutor who went through like a bunch of accents actors have done and kind of critiqued them and how they did. Okay. And he ended up, I didn't, he didn't do the Fargo accents, but he ended up critiquing yours and my favorite movie accent of all time, which is John Voight and Anaconda. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to play that clip. Oh my God. Paraguayan accent. John Voight, Anaconda. Never look in the eyes of those you kill. They will haunt you forever. I have no idea what that accent was. I know. <laughs> That's hilarious. He didn't even he didn't even do the best lines, but still. It's so funny because this guy, if you watch him, like he's watching the accents, and when it's a really bad one, he just looks so disappointed. So like the minute John Voice starts talking, he's got like his head his his head in his hands. He's so upset. <laughs> oh my dad, that's good. Dad, what what you need you need protection? <laughs> it's been it's it's been what is it? It's been a long time since I had a woman. <laughs> Since I had a woman, he's just staring at her, so he's leering at her. So creepy. Fucking John Voight. I, th- I don't know what those credits are like, but we have to do that movie just so we can do the John Voight impression the entire time. We got, we got a, I, I'm sure they probably have some interesting opening or closing credits, so we'll, yeah. we'll look into that. All right, Gary, it's time for the last segment of this podcast. Oh, uh, well, heck. Yeah, you yeah, betcha. Yeah, okay. I, I'm, I, I darn tootin' I'm ready, hey, let I think. Let me know if you need protection for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more John Voight. All right, I'll go first since this was my pick. Well, what are we doing here? Well, we're doing key grips, of course. Yeah, I, I feel we're, we're scoring. We're scoring the credits in key grips. We don't know what key grips are. We don't care. We do one to ten key grips because we don't know what they are. We have never. We've been told, but we haven't listened. Don't you know? And I am going to give this one a seven key grips. Seven key grips because. You know, that's just pretty, it's pretty good. The The song, I would probably give a 10, but, and the, you know what? I'm going to upgrade it actually. 7.5, 7.5 key grips because I feel like it kind of embodies the movie and uh, it's, they're, they're simple, but they're stirring and the song is awesome. And, you know, that's really all you can ask for. I think, I think the movie is just so good after this that maybe that makes it a little bit lower, but uh, 7.5 is my, is my score. I'm going to go just a little bit lower than you. Uh, actually, it was a little okay. bit lower before you bumped it up. So I'm going to go full point lower than you now. Wow. I'm going to give it a wow. 6.5. All right. Well, that makes it easy for the because, yeah, not, not much happens. The music is great. The movie is great. Yeah. It's a... Uh, like I said, simple, simple but stirring, yeah. I would say. They're not but, bad credits. Uh, very simple. They're not phenomenal credits. Yeah, very simple. They're... Uh, they're they're like uh, the middle of the road. They're kind of like a Minnesota accent. You know, they're just kind of average. They're just kind of like I was, you I was just say they're Minnesota. They're Minnesota yeah. nice credits. They're Minnesota nice credits. And uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with there's that. Nothing Max. wrong with that. No. Yeah. No. You betcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's different. That's different. They're different, but you know, they're nice. Uh, okay, so that's pretty easy. So, 
7.5 for me, 6.5 for you. That means Fargo's opening credits have a final credit score score of seven key grips. There you go. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Darn tootin' seven key grips. I, I think mm-hmm. they'll take that. Mm-hmm. they take that. So, all right. So, we're going to do a uh, a TV show next. I think it's still my pick. I'm still talking in like a half Minnesota accent, by the way. It's I'm not really to trying to. once you get Try- started with it. I'm, try- hard, <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to get out of it. So, I'm going to pick the TV show. If anybody has any suggestions... Go ahead and hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, on Instagram, we're Credit Score Podcast. On Twitter, we're Credit Score. Or you can email us at creditscorepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please, you know, if you're a longtime fan, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us out a lot. If you're not a longtime fan, you just listen to this, leave us a review anyway, but only a good one. And tell your friends about us. Uh, tell their friends about us tell their friends about us and email me at credit score podcast at gmail.com i checked them all i can't worry i will never give gary the password ever he's not allowed to read those (laughs) ever so we don't know what's next as we said last time we are scrambling around to try and figure stuff out i am working on getting us a guest i'd like for us to start having guests even if it's credit score yes yes so i'm hoping our next recording we'll have a guest we'll see if we can pull it off i like a lot of technical difficulties with just you and me so i don't know if we can pull it off but we're gonna try we're gonna give it our we're gonna give it our best shot darn tootin you betcha yeah gary uh, gary it's been uh it's been quite 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 a quite a nice time I, uh, it's been, it's, a, it's been a heck, one heck of a pleasure. It's, it's one heck of a lovely. Pleasure. And, uh, I think we should take the audience out with, uh, a little more how to speak Fargo. I like it. Oh, jeez. You think? Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. She, oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he's a judge.